This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Let's begin tonight by heading back in time to 1951, the year both of our shows tonight, as a matter of fact, were heard, 1951. Kids were given more than at any other time in previous history with guitar lessons, sets of encyclopedias to improve their minds. People had money to spend, so cars became more luxurious and had more powerful engines with options like two-tone paint. During this time, things like turn signals were an extra advantage, and most drivers still used hand signals to tell other drivers which way they were turning. In entertainment news in 1951, television continued to grow with popular programs like I Love Lucy, and the first tests for color television pictures were broadcast from the Empire State Building on June 25th of 1951. On radio, one of the most popular shows featured two stars of the silver screen, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in the series Bold Venture. And tonight, we'll hear the episode Spanish Gold. Bold Venture. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring... Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean Bold Venture Once again, the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. Now in Havana, there is a small hotel. From here to there, they come pell-mell. No elevators or curtains of lace. It's known all over as Shannon's place. <laughs> you like that, Mr. Slate? Oh, sure do. You have another verse, King? Every time, Miss Sailor. Look, we've got work to do. If you don't mind, I'd like to get on with it. Right now, we mind. King's in a singing mood. Go ahead, King. Mr. Shannon, he run this small hotel. He man who like Havana so well. He would rather starve in this city than have a million dollars in Cincinnati. <laughs> Thanks, King. Now it's your turn, Whit. Go ahead. Well, we've been sitting here for three hours now talking about it. 
All I'd like you to do is say yes or no. What I say, sailor, yes or no? Well, I'd like it. It's the thing I've always wanted to do. If you want my opinion, Mr. Slate. Sure. I've heard stories like this before. Spanish gold. Nothing ever happens. Down in the barrio, secret treasure maps get sold all day long. I know the man who draws them. The man just made a point, Whit. I beg your pardon, then, and yours, too. Because I'm not making myself clear. Look, I have nothing so tangible as a map. All I have is this knowledge that on the island in Flamingo Cay, there is Spanish gold. And this you learned in college. <laughs> That's right. Now, you people don't have to smile about it. Mr. Cheney and I are serious. That's why he sent me to you. You don't have to smile. I wasn't smiling. Thank you, Mr. Val. Let's see the charts again. <laughs> sure, sure, Mr. Cheney. Now, look. See? Your boat could make it easily right along the banks, eh? Uh, here. Here's Flamingo K, about 30 small islands. Now, uh, this one. Here, here's one. Due south of Exmouth Sound. Here's a nickel slate. Yeah. Heads we go, tails we don't. Tails. Tails we don't. I said two out of three. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you did. Heads. One more. Heads. Heads we go. We'll start in the morning. We're at about six. Oh, that's swell, swell. I'll see you then, huh? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to sleep. You won't be sorry. Take it easy, boy. Wait. Uh-huh. Did he bite? <laughs> I learned a word for his type in college. Sucker. I'm going to tell you something, Joe, just between you and me. All right. I feel good. I feel good all over. Well, I'm glad for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a feeling I like. All that loot just waiting for me. For both of us. For both of us. You're a greedy boy, Whit. That's what makes you so useful. But you'll remember something, Whit. Anything you ask me, I'll remember. Anything you tell me, I'll remember. That's good, because it's my party I call the dance. You won't forget now, college boy. <laughs> Joe, tell me more about yourself. Tell me again how a man like you comes on a dream like this. Yeah, I had me a boat once. I tore the insides out of it on a coral reef in Flamingo Cay, and I got ashore. It is like you said, the stuff that landed on the beach wasn't just sand. You make me young again, Joe. It just lay there teasing me, pirate's loot whispering to me in the sun. Then a shadow come over, a guy and his wife. Mr. and Mrs. Mark Bryan? Yeah, a college boy, Mark Bryan and his wife. He told me the island belonged to them. He told me don't touch. He told me fix your boat and go away. I went away. But he won't do that to us again, will he? Uh-uh, college boy. And our sucker, Slade Shannon. And that pretty drain hangs on him. <laughs> what do we do with them, Joe? We use them. Then we lay a Spanish doubloon on their foreheads so they shine in the sun. So the seagulls can find them. <sighs> Thank you, Joe. I can sleep now. I hope you're a good navigator, Shannon. Now don't worry about it. That college boy, Whit, he looks worried, and he's got education. The bold venture's gotten through barrier reefs before. 
Hey, look, Cheney, why don't you trail your feet in the water, light a cigarette, or spit into the wind, the things people are supposed to do on a boat? <laughs> You're a good sailor, Shannon. Look at that island. That's pretty, huh? All that loot, and all you have to do is tie up at that pier. It's pretty small. I'll make it. Five feet here, Slade. Shannon. Yeah? It's not a whole lot of room between the bottom of this boat and that coral. Quarter less five. Charlie off, Slade. Four. Easy. Ah. Yeah, that does it. We'll tie up here. Maybe. Huh? Look what we got, a committee standing on the beach. It's got a gun, Chaney. What is this? What it is is Mark Bryan and Ms. Bryan looking as red-headed as you. Sailor! Sailor, come here! What is it, Slate? I'll make it fast. I'm going calling. Hey, that looks like a shotgun the man's holding. He couldn't miss with it if he tried. Just make it fast, Sailor. Hello. Get out of here. Your name, Brian? And you're Mrs. Brian. My name is Slate Shannon. Hello, Slate Shannon. Get back on your boat and get out of here. I've counted four on your boat. We can put you up. We're lousy with bamboo shacks. I weave them in my spare time. You've come for the gold. It's dug up and put away. I didn't say anything about gold. Who are you trying to fool? That man, him, standing on the pier? Don't you think I know him? <laughs> Joe Cheney, why don't you just listen for a minute? Listen? You listen. What do you think I... Oh. Brian. Oh. oh, that crazy college punk. Shot my husband. What do you know? Someone finally called Mark's bluff. Pick him up, um. Mr. Shannon. As I said, I've got accommodations for everybody. Sorry, Mr. Bryan. That's all right, my boy. I don't expect you to mend me without some hurt. One more twist of bandage and you... You know, you're a good slave. If I'm ever shot in the shoulder, if I'm ever hurt, remind me to call you. I'll do that. Uh, two weeks and you'll have your shoulder back, Mr. Bryan. Uh, you want me to be grateful? Shall I kiss the hands that heal me? I think we could bear it. Uh, don't misunderstand me, you two. It's only that for me, the difference between living and dying is very slight. I rather wish your friend had potted me into eternity. I'll go get your wife, Mr. Brown. No, no. No. Leave her there with her newfound excitements. Two new men. That can make Lucy very happy. See? This occasion is a rare delicacy for Lucy. Life with me on my island bores her. It's bored her for 12 years. You could have taken her away. Anywhere in the world she wanted to go. And maybe she'd be with you on your head. You mean the gold? The gold you and your friends are so hungry for? <laughs> You're quite right. I could have used it for that. But I have no taste for it. Then this wasn't a college boy's fairy tale. There is gold here. Mr. Bryan? Enough to make all men kneel at your feet, Miss Duval. I need gold for that, Slate. You heard what the man said. Then listen more to what I say. This is your fee for probing in my shoulder, for trespassing on a world I meant to keep for myself. Wash up, Slate. 
Get your money and let's get out of here. Not money, Mr. Val. A suggestion. I suggest you and Mr. Shannon take your friends and get off my island. I suggest you forget its existence. I suggest you will never find what you're looking for. <laughs> Except that. Except the sound of death. Good night, you two. Sleep well. done good, college boy. You impressed Miss Bryan, I could tell. <laughs> Redheads and me, Joe, there's an affinity. I tell her the things I do for a girl like her if only I had money, so she whispers in my ear where her husband hit the loot. The other side of the atom. Take it, she says. It's yours. And now you go to work on Miss DeVal, that sailor girl, huh, where? Hide someplace where you can watch me, Joe. Be a revelation to you. I couldn't live without it. You're on your own, college boy, now don't louse it. She'll love every minute of it. Goodbye, Joe. Oh, it's you. I thought You it... have the look of a girl who's sorry she's alone, Mr. Bell. As if you were waiting for someone to knock at your door. <laughs> but not me. Right again. Not you. Uh... Mr. Shannon. Slate said he wanted to look around the island. Maybe you'll go find him for me. Uh, no. We've had a nice chat. Good night. You dislike me for shooting Mr. Bryan? I'll find other reasons. Give me time. Anything you ask, Mr. Val? I thought that if you're really tired of being alone, we could go for a walk. Tropic moon, the surf. Sometimes a girl wants things like that. Go beat on another shack. College boy. I've got strong sales resistance. Even with this gun in my hand? It could shoot your resistance full of holes, Mr. Val. It could. Why don't we walk, Mr. Val? You and I. Get decent and open the door. I thought maybe you'd like to walk. Walk right in. Huh? Walk right in, Shannon. Don't ever argue with a 45. Walk. Good. Turn around, Shannon. What did you do with Sailor? Bite your lip, kid. Bite it hard. You stay unconscious too long, Shannon, you rot. Come on. Come on, Slate. Oh, you'll have to do better than that. What the... Open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, help me up. Uh, thanks. Where's Sailor? In the boat. I guess she's in the boat. Look out the window. Huh? Yeah. Hey, the boat... Gone? That's right. She's in the boat. Only the boat's gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
and all we have to do is dig right here. That redhead crossed me out. Keep your sweat for the digging, college boy. It'll be here. I said dig. Maybe if he digs hard enough, it'll turn out to be his grave. <laughs> You're real funny, Mr. Val. You run a boat good, and you're real funny. What did you do to Slate? Or did I forget to tell you? I hit him on the head with the butt end of this 45. It must have hurt him because he didn't talk back. That's what I'd done with Slate. You dig for a while, Joe. I want to tell a lady about the splendors of where we are. Little known facts. She'll enjoy it. Do that, college boy. Maybe it'll do something for me, too. This lagoon you sailed us into, Mr. Val. It's really just a saltwater lake filling up a hole that used to be a volcano. Imagine that. And all of this, this cove with these sheer cliffs all around, rising up into the sky like a cry for help. Stunning, isn't it? It makes me weep, the sheer stunningness of it. And that hurricane hovering over us like a black-winged bird. But it won't touch us here. Because Mother Nature built this place so no storm could touch it. Hammers for the million things. And on the other side of the island, you're Mr. Shannon. The redhead, her husband, all at the mercy of a tropical hurricane and no place to hide. Will you cry for Mr. Shannon, sir? Oh, I, I found it, kid. It's here. Just like she said, it's all here, wrapped in an old sail. Yeah, let me look at it, Joe. Get out of the way so I can look at it. We're through here, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Make the boat ready, Mr. Val. We're sailing away from this lovely place. Wrong again, college boy. What? The black-winged hurricane, remember? The one you were telling me about? Boats die in it, even with me sailing them. Joe, she's right. We wait here till it blows away. I don't mind, Joe. I don't mind a bit. I got the gold to keep me warm. And the whole thing strikes you funny. Well, consider it, Shannon. Look at it the way I do and join me in a big, fat laugh. Yeah, I know. It's about your husband. You're getting a reaction from his shoulder wound. Him? Lying in our shack, drinking up all this tropical paradise? Him? No, nope. You want to know what makes me laugh? You can see it from here. The moon. I can see it. A fire moon. A hurricane moon. <laughs> Hey, look, Mrs. Bryan. It's an intimate time. Say, Lucy, I'll answer you. Where did they take Sailor? Lucy. Where did they take her, Lucy? Now we're intimate and you worry about Sailor. So help me. You gonna hit me? Go ahead if you operate that way. Chaney and Whit put her on the boat because she can navigate out of this reef. Tell me where they went. The other side of the island. We could cuddle up, make a song out of that. That's where the loot is, isn't it? It's where I help Mark bury it. Ah, now I know what's funny. I'll laugh at you and you laugh at me. That's one way of spending a hurricane. Maybe you're not impressed. That hurricane's really coming. Listen to me, Lucy. I didn't figure it, Shannon. Whenever someone whispers in my ear, I tingle all over. I told them where the treasure was and they ran out on me. We gotta get out of here. None of us is getting out of here. How do we get to the other side of the island? Why? What for? You've got to listen to me, Lucy. The other side of the island, we've got to get there. You know a way, don't you? It's far. We'll get your husband. He can walk. We can't leave him here. It's far. Can't be too far. It's a small island, Lucy. You miss the mood, huh, Shannon? Sure. Sure, I'll take you. All you gotta do is hold my hand. Hold my hand. 
something, Joe. What? I'm glad we're down here, not up there. People could die up there on top of the island in that hurricane, and we don't want to die, do we, Joe? That's right, kid. I sit here and I dream of what I can do with all this loot. Makes me shudder. Sends chills down my back. Care to share it with me, Mr. Ralph? Maybe I would. What? Because I see you in a new light, college boy. That would be the reflection of all this gold, wouldn't it? That's part of it. Tell me, what else would there be? You, the way you are. The dark things you stir up in a girl once she gets to know you. And when did this wonderful thing happen to me? It began when you came into Shannon's place. It built when you shot Mr. Bryan. And the way you handled me when you made me bring you here in the boat. I liked it. You surprised me. How do you figure me, Joe? I don't have to, I know. Leave her alone, kid. She's got a point, Joe. It interests me. Burn up dreams, you and me. I'll sell them. Burn them. Blow the ashes away. Start new ones. Whatever you say. Uh-huh. Joe? What's the matter with you, kid? You gone crazy? Put that gun away before I slap you across the mouth with it. You won't be able to do that, Joe. I'll tell you why. <laughs> You <laughs> That's why, Joe. Brush your cheek against mine, sailor. I'm in love. You okay, Brian? Yeah, you didn't have to take me. Two of you could make it faster. You lean on me. Leave him alone, Shannon. What's the matter with you? I said leave him alone. Do you love him all of a sudden? Shut up. How much further? Uh, we'll never make it. Never. Down that crater. There's a passageway that leads to the other side. Then we can... That tree! Watch out! Ah! Ah! Mark! Mark! Help me with him! Help me! No, it's no use. Help! I can't. I, I can't budge the tree. Come on, Lucy. You can't help him. Lucy. Get out of here. Get out. You can't stay here. I did wrong, Mark. I did wrong in this effort. It's, it's my fault, Mark. It's my... He's dead. No. No, it isn't my fault. It's your fault, Shannon. Coming here with that boat. Those men. Get out. Get out, will you, and leave me with my husband. The wind's dying. You'll be all right. Uh, can't you understand? I want to be with Mark. Tell him how sorry I am. Wind's just about gone, Sailor. Let's go see all those pretty places we were going to see. Huh? Maybe we ought to stay around for a while. 
Maybe the hurricane will start up all over again. No, it never does. Let's go. I think we ought to wait. Come on. Give me a hand with this stuff. Wit. Come on, I said. <laughs> Look at it, baby. How much do you think there is there? I wouldn't know. It would be enough for what we want it for. That's a happy sound, huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, 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 what do you know? Look what the storm blew in. Slate. Slate Shannon trying to be quiet as a Mars. You're clumsy, Mr. Shannon. Try it with your hands in the air. You all right, sailor? Yes, it's fine. I'm going to have to tell you something, Mr. Shannon. You're going to have to die. I'm going to have to kill you. Let him be, Wit. Just let him be. I asked you something, sailor. I asked you if you're all right. You didn't tell me. Slate, don't come near me. He'll kill you. No, you're wrong. I won't kill him. You'll kill him. You're fond of me, remember? Here, take my gun. Go on, take it. That's right. Now shoot him. You're not a very bright college boy, are you, Wit? Why, Betty Cap? Don't point the gun at me, point it at him. Go ahead, shoot him. Don't come any closer. Sailor, let him have it. I warned you, Wit. You aren't really fond of me at all, Sailor. Stay where you are, Mr. Shannon. This other gun, Joe's gun, is loaded. All the bullets in the gun Sailor's holding are in Joe. What do you do with us now? Kill us both? Only you. Slate. You tried, sailor. Pick up that sailcloth with the coins in it. Pick it up, Shannon. That's right. Might as well lead a short and useful life. Now carry it over to the boat. Show them the way, sailor. That's right. You get your feet wet, but it won't matter. What are you going to do with all this money? Convert it into coin of the realm, then live. <laughs> sailor helped me plan the whole thing. Dry him off first, with Boy, you... Watch it, sailor. I'll tell you... Start holding your breath, wet. What do you know? Short-winded. Slate, you'll kill him. Don't suggest anything, sailor. Let him up. See? I let him up. He's breathing, too. Maybe they'll put a stop to that in Havana. There it is, sailor. It's pretty. Piece of eight. We go on a treasure hunt and we come up with one crummy piece of eight. <laughs> Mrs. Bryan said you could take all you wanted. Well, this is all I wanted. Flip it. What for? Well, it's night. I want to go for a walk on the beach. You never want to take me. All right. Heads I'll take you, tails I won't. Tails I won't. Two out of three, Slade. Oh. Tails again. Sailor. Uh-huh. Three out of five. Isn't that the way we play it? And 
So our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star in Our Miss Brooks, the English teacher at Madison High. Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, in the daily life of our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, teaching itself only takes up a portion of her time. This leaves a number of free hours each day to pursue an outside interest. But it doesn't leave quite enough free hours, especially since my outside interest refuses to stand still long enough for me to drop a net over him. (laughs) In fact, lately, I've even considered taking up another outside activity besides Mr. Boynton. Like the one my landlady began recently. Mrs. Davis was quite reticent about her hobby until last Wednesday morning at breakfast when she gave me a broad hint. Notice anything different about the table this morning, Connie? Well, the big cat's abstain in front of my place is gone. (laughs) It's under your egg cup, dear. (laughs) Yes, again. Oh, of course. The big bowl of apples in the center. What a delicious display. I'm glad you like it, Connie. It's a hat. (laughs) Who designed it? William Tell? (laughs) No, I did. You probably don't know this, but years ago, I used to design hats like mad. Why, you mad hat, are you? (laughs) I never would have suspected. You seem so normal in some other respects. (laughs) Well, I haven't had the yen in years, but last week my brother Victor sent me some samples of the material his firm makes, and you know my brother Victor, don't you? I've heard you speak of him quite often. (laughs) He's a peculiar man, Victor. Rather a slow-moving type of fellow, but once he gets interested in something, he follows right through. The last couple of years, he's been up to his ears in plastics. No wonder he's (laughs) slow-moving. But what has plastic got to do with your designing hats again? That's what they're made of. I'll bet you've never even noticed that this is really two hats in one. Two in one? Yes. Worn this way, it looks like a bowl of apples. But when you turn it around like this, it's a sparrow. (laughs) Well, what a novel idea. If you're out with a man you like, you tempt him with an apple. And if your date is a drip, he gets the bird. (laughs) I've got four of them all made up so far. They should be easy to sell with Mother's Day coming this Sunday. Well, I don't know, Mrs. Davis. They're a bit unusual for popular consumption, I'm afraid. Not if they're presented right, Connie. And that's where you come in. I want you to help me sell them at school. Me? Yes. If you sell all four of them, I'll deduct 
half of the back rent you owe me. Oh. And it shouldn't be difficult to sell them. It isn't as if they were hard to move. Not if the wind is right. <laughs> of course, if I could reduce my debt to you, that... Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He's driving me down to school. Come on in, Walter. Try to sell him one for his mother, Connie. I'll get into the kitchen and rustle up some goodies for Walter's inner man. Better get some for his outer man, too. <laughs> Greetings to the brightest star in the scholastic firmament. <laughs> it's a little early for me to twinkle, Walter, but sit down. You're going to have a bit of breakfast with us, aren't you? Well, I might be persuaded to partake of a wee morsel if you coax me. <laughs> and if I don't coax you? You couldn't be that cruel. <laughs> All right, then. What'll it be? French toast? Eggs? Riddle cake? Fine. <laughs> Mrs. Davis? Yes, Connie? Walter's here. Vacuum the kitchen and bring in the bag. <laughs> up a giant omelet for him, dear. He's the little giant that can eat it. You know, I don't know what's happening at home, but my mother just doesn't seem to be making the breakfast she used to. Well, maybe she's just worn out. Well, she does cook an awful lot of meals for us. Of course she does, Walter. And while we're on the subject, how much thought have you given to her Mother's Day gift? Oh, quite a bit. And I've come up with something that should show her how grateful I am for all she's done for me. I'm going to get her a present that'll make her forget the many menial and arduous tasks she performs in my behalf. What's the present? A bottle of sweet air for the kitchen. <laughs> what do you think of the idea, Miss Brooks? It smells. I mean, it smells very pleasant. Of course, I'd like to get her something else, too, but... On my allowance, unless my dad chips in, I couldn't afford much. Walter, I have a suggestion for a gift that your dad will be happy to chip in for. Just look at the center of this table. Holy cow, is it alive? <laughs> Certainly not. It happens to be a woman's hat. A woman's hat? <laughs> You're joking, of course. Joking nothing. I'm wearing it to school this morning. Say, that'd make a wonderful decoration for our dining room table at home. Mother always likes to have something gay and colorful in the center of the table. That's what I say. It would make a wonderful decoration for your dining room table at home. minute, Miss Brooks. Who's that? It's me, Tex Barton. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy, Tex. <laughs> you see me in a hurry, ma'am. Why, when I flagged you, you was barreling across this campus like a doggie that just smelled a branding iron. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that bad. Although I do have to see Mr. Conklin before class. Well, I... Glory be to Sam Houston... And hallelujah to Dave Dallas. What's up? Miss Brooks, have you any idea of the activity that's going on up there in the upper regions of your anatomy? What? Skin me for a lizard if there ain't a sparrow eating apples off in your skull. Well, now, calm down, Tex. This is just a new style of hat. A hat? Well, you could have fooled me. By the way, Mother's Day is just around the corner. 
Have you decided on a gift for your mother yet? Well, I've been thinking a lot about that, Miss Brooks, but it's kind of tough to figure out what it please, Mom. Maybe I can help you. I doubt it, ma'am. For Christmas, Pa and I got her some brand new riding boots and stirrups. And for her birthday, we got her a pair of chaps and a Stetson. Uh, and for Easter, uh, we decked her out in a spanking new box of saddle soap. <laughs> so, you see, she's got just about everything a normal woman needs. A normal woman who's competing in a rodeo, you mean. <laughs> Look, Tex, a hat like the one I'm wearing would make a lovely gift, and it's only $10. It sure is flashy, Miss Brooks. And Pa and I could afford that much, but there's a couple of things that have to be done to it first. For instance? Well, do you think you could make two holes in it? Holes? Yeah, uh-huh. So as her ears could come through. <laughs> so her ears could come through? Tex, your mother must have a very low forehead. Well, I wouldn't give it to my mother, Miss Brooks. I'd just be getting it for my mother to give to Lucy. Lucy? She's our horse. <laughs> she sure will look beautiful in it. I'm sure she will, Tex. You can pick up the hat at Mrs. Davis's today. Today? When would be a good time, ma'am? The same time you leave the $10. But, Daddy, please be reasonable. There isn't time for me to pick out your Mother's Day gear. I didn't ask you into my office to argue, Harriet. I should think you'd want to see your mother receive a nice present. I do, Daddy. And I'm getting her one with most of my allowance. But your gift to her is something else again. She always expects something outstanding. Well, obviously, my dear, she married me, didn't she? <laughs> yes, but about other things, she's pretty particular. <laughs> I mean, well, I wouldn't mind selecting something for you, but you always insist that I find a bargain. There's nothing wrong with being frugal, Harriet. It's a Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Hello, Harriet. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hello, Miss... Good grief! Something has alighted on your hair. <laughs> but, Mr. Conklin... Don't Mrs. stand there, Harriet. Get a net. <laughs> Maybe we can trap it for our nature study group. It happens to be a hat, Mr. Conklin. It's oh. very exciting, Miss Brooks. Now, if you'll excuse me, Daddy. Very I'll... well, but I'll talk to you later, Miss Important. Bye, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, knowing how fond of brevity you are, I'll come right to the point of my visit. Sunday is Mother's Day. How would you like to buy a hat like this for Mrs. Conklin? For Mrs. Conklin? Yes, don't you think she deserves something like this? Well, she has been a source of great irritation on occasion. <laughs> No, no, I'm not interested, Miss Brooks. If I can sell one of these hats, it will help get me out of debt, Mr. Conklin. Besides, it's a real bargain. I'm sorry, I'm definitely not in... Did you say a bargain, Miss Brooks? <laughs> yes, sir, much cheaper than you can get it on the open market. Where did you get it? Let's just say I have access, Mr. Conklin. These hats aren't hot, are they? <laughs> Hottest thing in town. Oh, you mean stolen. No, sir, they're not stolen. Although you could call them a steal at $10 each. $10? For a few apples and a small sparrow? 
it's evident, Mr. Conklin, that you haven't heard how meat and fruit have gone up. <laughs> but think of how exclusive this hat is. Well, for my wife, it would have to be Miss Brooks. She has an absolute fanatic uh, uh, approach and uh, on individualized apparel. She wouldn't be caught dead in anything that even resembled what someone else was wearing. Mr. Conklin, when it comes to this hat, I give you my unqualified guarantee. You do? Absolutely. Believe me, she won't be caught dead in it. <laughs> Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental Cream. It cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth. Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. While it cleans your teeth. Colgate dental cream cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years' research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate dental cream helps stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. And stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate dental cream. It cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Well, by the time I was to meet Mr. Boynton at lunch, I had sold three of the four hats Mrs. Davis had made up. One to Walter Denton for his mother to be used as a table centerpiece. One to Tex Barton for his horse to be used as an eye shade. And one to Mr. Conklin for his wife to be used, of all things, as a hat. <laughs> I had the sample hat on when Mr. Boynton came over to our table. Hello, Miss Brooks. Sorry I'm late. I couldn't get here any sooner. That's all right, Mr. Boynton. Put down your tray. Thank you. Notice anything different about me today? Different? Let's see. Well, for heaven's sake, I, I apologize for being late. You oughtn't to go to such lengths to chide me about it. To chide you? Well, yes, after all, this is a public eating place. You shouldn't balance your dessert on your head. <laughs> dessert? Mr. Boynton, this happens to be a hat. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm afraid I dropped my cutlery. You should be more careful, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> that knife might have dented your meatloaf. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry I frightened you so. Oh, I, I should be used to sights like this. When I was a kid, my mother always had some fantastic creations around the house. Really? How many brothers and sisters did you have? <laughs> Well, may I remind you, Mr. Boynton, that Mother's Day will soon be with us? Well, so will my mother. <laughs> yes, she's coming down this afternoon to stay through the weekend. Unfortunately, Dad has to stay home on business, but Mom and I are going to have a high old time. 
Have you made all of your plans for celebrating the holiday, Mr. Boynton? Yes, indeed. Oh, it's, it's going to be one mad world for the both of us. I've got a four-day itinerary all mapped out. Oh, what are you going to do? Well, on Thursday, I thought I'd show Mom the new wing of our public library. Friday, we'll, we'll do the Museum of Natural History, and, and Saturday, we'll have a go at the Botanical Gardens. Wow! Well, there's not going to be any let-up in the evenings, either. If we're not playing chess or checkers, I'll whip out the old domino set. <laughs> By the way, can you think of anything that might add to the merriment, Miss Brooks? Yes, but I think the morgue is closed on weekends. <laughs> that is, I do have a suggestion that might be quite a surprise for your mother. Oh, what is it? Why don't you get her a nice hat? You said yourself that she used to like unique hats. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm not interested. Oh, that's too bad, Mr. Boynton. It's a real bargain. Well, I'd like to get her something, of course, but this is just out of... Did you say a bargain? <laughs> Never misses. Where did you get the hat, Miss Brooks? The truth is I'm disposing of them for Mrs. Davis. They're only $10 apiece. <laughs> $10 apiece? Get your jaw out of the potatoes and I'll make it... <laughs> I, I guess we could arrive at some sort of a deal, Miss Brooks, but there's one thing of which I, I must be certain. What's that? Well, that my mother doesn't see any other woman wearing a hat like it. Mom's a fanatic on individualized apparel. I'll sell her the very one I'm modeling today, Mr. Boynton. Bring her over to my place about 8.30 tonight, and we'll surprise her with it. All right, but you're sure now that she'll be the only woman to have this particular hat? While she's in town, your mother will be the only woman seen wearing this particular hat. Good. <laughs> well, I'm going to get myself some dessert now, Miss Brooks. Uh, would you like me to bring something back for you? Yes, I would, Mr. Boynton. I'd like a Coke. The five-cent size will do. Very well. That's all I want right now, Mr. Boynton. Okay. <laughs> oh, here. Thanks. I'll just be a minute, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Take your time, sporty. <laughs> Somebody's got to teach him that money isn't everything. Especially my money. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, hello, Miss Brooks. I thought I'd find you here. May I speak with you for a moment? Oh, of course, Mr. Conklin. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, about that hat I agreed to buy for my wife, I want it to be a complete surprise. She mustn't see it until Sunday. I'll say she mustn't. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if she did. Now, there's one important factor we overlooked in our discussion this morning, Miss Brooks. I neglected to give you my wife's measurements. Well, I'll take them right now. How far apart are your wife's ears? <laughs> How far apart are her ears? Sorry, that was another customer. <laughs> her head size? Well, I don't know, but I'll find out this afternoon and check with you at home this evening. Uh, what would be a good time? After midnight. That is, <laughs> any time, sir, any time at all. 
Now, you must have many more important things to do, and I'll be happy to excuse you, sir. If you really have to dash away, I know how those things are. I've had things to do myself. Uh, I'm Miss, expecting Miss someone... Miss uh, Brooks. <laughs> I don't quite comprehend this conversational St. Vitus dance you're indulging in. But if you're always this nervous during mealtime, it's a wonder you haven't got an ulcer. Oh, I had an ulcer, Mr. Conklin. I had a nice big one two years after I began teaching school. You did? How did you get rid of it? I just couldn't afford to keep it. I don't know what you're so jittery about, Connie. Everything's gone swimmingly so far. Walter Denton picked up the hat for his mother during lunch period. I know, Mrs. Davis. And Tex Barton came over right after school to get the specially prepared one you phoned me about. My goodness, but his mother must have long ears. You want to see his mother's mane. I mean, those aren't the ones I'm jittery about. It's Mr. Conklin and Mr. Boynton. I promised them both that they were buying a completely original creation. Well, they are that, Connie. The fact that they're identical shouldn't bother you. After all, Mrs. Boynton will be leaving town right after Mother's Day. Yes, but Mr. Boynton's bringing her here tonight to pick it up, and Mr. Conklin will want his wife's hat as soon as he gives me her measurements. But if he runs into Mrs. Boynton anywhere before Sunday... Now, now, calm down, dear, calm down. When do you expect the Boynton? No! (laughs) Now. uh... Well, I'll go make some tea and you let them in. Mrs. Boynton's hat is right on the hall table, Connie. Thanks. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. You remember my mother. I'll never forget her. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Boynton. Come in for a second. How are you, Connie? It's been ages since I've seen you. Oh, Mom couldn't wait to see your surprise, Miss Brooks. Oh, then I'll get it for her right away. Meanwhile, just help yourself to some fruit on this hall table. That is, as soon as the sparrow gets through helping himself. (laughs) That is, here's your new hat. How do you like it? Well, it's certainly different. Oh, I knew you'd love it. Well, now that you've seen it, I don't want to keep you and Mr. Boynton another minute. You must have lots to talk over, so don't stand on ceremonies. Just toddle right along, and I'll see you later in the week. Bye! We're really in no great rush, Miss Brooks. As a matter of fact, (laughs) Philip suggested that we might spend the evening with you. Oops! I told Mom you'd jump at the idea. I thought we'd play a few games of checkers, Connie. I'll never forget how exciting it was the last time we played. There was one crowning after another. You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) But I'm afraid I can't ask you to stay for checkers, Mrs. Boynton. Mrs. Davis has a splitting headache. But, Miss Brooks, how could a game of checkers disturb Mrs. Davis? Please, Mr. Boynton, if you were lying down with a headache, how would you like to hear someone constantly jumping in the next room? <laughs> now, you'll just excuse me. Well, that's the doorbell, isn't it? Maybe Miss Brooks has another engagement, Philip. Perhaps we'd better be leaving. I wouldn't think of letting you budge from this house. Mr. Boynton, I insist that you take your mother into the living room and let her try on her checkerboard, a fruit bowl. (laughs) Here, take it with you, dear. There's a wonderful mirror near the piano. Well, if you're sure. Never been surer. Go along, Mr. Boynton. Very well. It's right this way, Mother. Hi, Miss Brooks. Walter, what are you doing here? It's 12 hours until breakfast. <laughs> I have to bring the hat back, Miss Brooks. 
Aren't you going to ask me in? Not if I can help it. <laughs> well, only be a minute. It's important. All right, but please hurry. What's the trouble, Walter? Well, I showed my dad this hat you sold us for a centerpiece, Miss Brooks. And he didn't like it? Well, he's crazy about it. But he wants a slight change made. He says if you'll wire it up so we can use it as a lamp, he'll give you an extra $3. <laughs> if he'll make it $5, I'll put in a motor and he can drive it to work. <laughs> Get into the dining room immediately. Take the hat with you quick. Yeah, but Mr. I'll explain later. Get going. Okay, but I wish I knew what was happening around here. Good evening, Miss Brooks. Well, I've got my wife's head measurements on this sheet of paper. Thanks, Mr. Conklin. Good night. <laughs> just, just a moment. There are a few things I have to tell you. Yes, sir. Come in. I got these measurements from the milliner with whom my wife does quite a large business. Oh, pardon me, number but of... Mom would like a drink of water. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Oh, hello, Walter. I'll get it myself if you just tell me... Oh, I didn't know someone was with you, Connie. Oh, there isn't. It's just Mr. Conklin. <laughs> this is Mrs. Boynton, Mr. Conklin. How do you do, Miss? What is she doing with my wife's hat on her head? <laughs> Your wife's hat, Mr. Conklin? Philip, you didn't buy me the same hat Mr. Conklin bought for his wife, did you? Oh, I didn't intend to, Mother. Miss Brooks, what seems to have happened? Shouldn't happen to a sparrow. <laughs> Look, folks, there's been a slight mix-up, but I'm sure it'll come out all right by Mother's Day. After all, there are only two of you wearing the hats, and you won't be seen together anyplace. Well, that's true enough. You do have a point there. There's no air in that dining room, Miss Brooks. I uh, I didn't know you had company. Oh, this is Walter Denton, one of our pupils, Mother. Walter, this is my mother. Glad to know you, Walter. Same here, Mrs. Boynton. I... You say, what are you doing with my mother's centerpiece on your head? <laughs> Your mother's centerpiece, Denton? Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Yeah, my dad and I are going to have it changed into a lamp before we give it to her, though. See, we'll put the wire right through here, and then we'll take... So, Miss Brooks, my wife and Mrs. Boynton are the only two people with these original creations. I'd give a lot to know just who else is wearing these assembly line specials. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> it, it sounded like a horse. That's just what it is, our milkman's horse. You see, the milkman is sick, so the horse is making the rounds alone. <laughs> Green today, Lucy. <laughs> She's very clever. She must be, to ring the doorbell by herself. <laughs> Miss Brooks, open the door. Yes, sir. Howdy, Miss Brooks. Lucy and I were just eloping by, so I thought I'd show you how nice she looks in her new bonnet. But, Tetch, Tetch, you shouldn't have brought her right up to the front door like this. <laughs> what is going on here? Why is this beast sticking her head... Oh, God! Wearing my wife's hat. And my 
his hat. You mean they got the same hat she sold me for Lucy, Miss Brooks? Yes, Tex, but it's... Shucks, if I'd have known that, I'd have never bought it. Lucy's a, a fanatic, fanatic on individualized apparel, I know. <laughs> Miss Brooks, just what do you propose to do about these hats? I'm going to take them out to our backyard and put them up in a tree. A tree? Yes, these hats are strictly for the birds. <laughs> just a moment. Now, the case of the close scrape featuring Arthur Griffin, mail carrier. Here's what Mr. Griffin told us. Listen. Here's exactly what happened. Shaving was just one close scrape after another for me, and then I discovered Palmolive Lather Shave Cream and a new, different way to shave. Palmolive's oceans of rich, thick lather ended my worries about scrapes, burns, and nicks. Why, even in cold or hard water, that Palmolive Lather way is super smooth, super comfortable. Take Arthur Griffin's advice, men. The new Palmolive Lather Way gets beards really soft, and it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. You get a clean, close shave every time without worry about scraping or nicking, even in cold or hard water. Arthur Griffin and 1,200 other men tested Palmolive Lather Cream following package directions, and three out of four reported smoother, more comfortable shaves, the Palm Olive Shave Cream way. No matter how they shaved before, better get Palm Olive Lather Shave Cream. Remember, even in cold or hard water, the Palm Olive Lather way means smoother, more comfortable shaves. Now, once again, here is Eve Arden. What would you do to protect your family and yourself in case of a sudden atom bomb attack? It may never happen, but it could. Remember, you can survive an atom bomb attack if you know what to do. Get a copy of the official air raid instructions from your local civil defense organization. Or write to Superintendent of Documents, Washington, D.C., enclosing five cents in coin or stamp. Learn the instructions by heart and see that everyone in your family does, too. Be smart. Be prepared. This is Burns Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmolive Shave Cream for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring E. Barden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis and Arthur Allsberg with the music of Wilbur Hatch. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Boston Blackie, followed by The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.